All right. Hey, friends. T Nick's here back again. Welcome to Expat Files. If you're tuning in for the first time, try to do a wrap up each week. And this week, I'm actually in Panama. I wish I could film this outside or show you the skyline or something. It's dreadful hot here in Panama. It's one of the things I really hate about it. But every time I come back here, I'm really impressed uh, anew. And um, it's an exciting place. It's obviously an economic miracle. When I came through in 1999, nothing that I see on the skyline was here. Really, nothing was here. I, I hiked along the canal and looked for a boat and decided I didn't want to go sailing after all. And, uh, and so that was just over you know, 22, 23 years ago. And now the skyline in Panama, is all, it's shocking when you fly in to see um, what has been done in such a short period of time and, and uh, to the better right, of all of Central America, that this place has become a real hub of business and financial interest and all the rest. But um, enough about that. What I want to share in the wrap up, if you will, is some of the couple of times a year. And so the first theme really, and the most important one, I think it, in terms of what I wanna share with you, um, writ large, I would say for probably the next foreseeable future, right? This theme will emerge again and again and again. Let me get into this topic this way. Um, if we fast, if we rewind to, to say the year 2000, give or take, which is about when the United States peaked, and by all metrics that you could consider uh, to, to measure the, the wealth and power of a society, of a nation, of a group of people, probably 2000 or 1999, roughly in that area was it um, for various reasons. Because after that, right, you get, you get a war based on a, a so-called terrorist attack with, with a lot of loose ends that just didn't make sense. Um, you know, what really happened on September 11th? Well, we're not allowed to ask those kinds of questions, but there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't add up, just didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that World Trade Center 7 fell down by itself. It just doesn't make sense. Structural engineers that I talk to say it doesn't make sense that the towers fell down the way they fell down, right? If there's plane wreckage at the Pentagon, where's the plane? Um, you're not allowed to ask or bring these things up. And so my point in sort of getting into this topic that I want to share with you in this video is there, the, the lie goes very deep, right? It goes way back. And the fact that these things are now, um, you know, talking about them, it's still not acceptable. It's still a sort of censorable kind of offense to bring up such things. Although, what can you do? I mean, uh, it, I think it's still important to bring it up or at least to raise the issue of, but how long has your government actually been bullshitting you about what is taking place? It's a very, very dangerous and, and, and very, it's a nasty topic to have to really ponder. And what has happened since 2020? And where the hell is all this insanity leading anyway? Like what really does the future look like? We're gonna to try to answer that question by looking at this through the lens of a very, particular angle um, that I think everybody has to be concerned with, because I don't think the average person in the United States or anywhere in the world has really thought through the consequences of this loss of reserve currency status. This will be the biggest, most disastrous change and shift in, in, in terms of like the unbelievable, what Charles de Gaulle called the exorbitant privilege that the United States gets to enjoy. This will be the biggest thunderclap in the arena of finance in our lifetimes. And it probably is going to happen in our lifetimes, it's certainly well underway now. I'm talking of course about the trend toward de-dollarization. I'm talking about the US 
perhaps not losing reserve currency status, although it may, but whether it does or not, it's certainly losing market share. It's losing its share of the market, whereas normally, say, you know, the Chinese want to do business with Thailand or Airbus in, in Europe wants to sell uh, a plane in France uh, or to France, um, right, and has to transact in U.S. dollars. And the Chinese doing business with India has to transact certain things in dollars. And very clearly and very quickly now in the last several weeks and several months, you're seeing great, great shift um, out of that. Brazil and China signing bilateral agreements, um, all kinds of countries deciding that, no, we're not going to do business in U.S. dollars anymore. Right. These things can now be done in local currencies or right. Obviously, the big winner so far has been China, where um, if business is going to be conducted, say, between Brazil and China or other countries and China, because China is the world's biggest trading partner now by far, um, it means that those people are going to be holding more yuan on their right in their reserves instead of holding U.S. dollars. Right. And that all the commerce that was transacted in dollars is now going to be transacted in other currencies and also particularly in Chinese yuan. And so what does that actually mean? Well, whether the US dollar actually is, it may still be the most used currency or the most held currency or the currency that people still invest in because our capital markets are still better than any other capital markets to invest in. And maybe that's all true, but even a, a you know, 10 or 20% decline in market share, if you will, in terms of the currencies that are being used around the world could have really serious impacts. Um, because the big, the big liquidity machine of the United States is the bond market. And if people don't have to hold dollars in reserve anymore, or not as much, right, and there's a significant drop in demand for those bonds, um, that, that money has to find some place to go. And if the money sh supply shrinks because nobody's buying these bonds or the Federal Reserve and right, the Treasury have to work out I'm not a finance guy enough to know the, the particular wrinkles of it, but I'm just thinking this through as a regular lay person and just understanding, well, supply and demand apply across any medium you can, you can uh, come up with. And so the idea that dollars are going to lose sort of most favored status in the transactions that previously required people to hold a lot of U.S. dollars in reserve and that that is clearly the trend, that trend is going to continue to pick up speed um, precisely because the level of lying in the United States is, and I know people in the U.S. don't like to hear this. People in the U.S. don't like to think this way because our government must be benevolent, right? Somewhere there must be good people, right, who are looking out for us and all the rest. And yet the evidence is so overwhelmingly to the contrary. So if you stop and consider, say, uh, Colin Powell, when he was uh, Secretary of State, right, lying and making a case for why we had to go to war. It was, of course, false, right? That Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. And everybody sort of overlooks that, like, well, yeah, but he was a bad guy anyway. So it's justified because we're justified doing anything, right? Um, we can blow up pipelines, we can invade people, we can, right? We can do whatever we want, right? And the rest of the world doesn't think that way about the United States. The rest of the world actually thinks we would really like it if you would stop causing these problems. And so it is important to realize, like, whatever you think, whatever we believe as, you know, people in North America, U.S. citizens and all the rest, obviously your own government doesn't give a wet fart what you want, what you believe. Um, you should be able to pick up on that by now, right? Obviously, you can 
believe that your vote matters and that you're changing the fate of the universe, right? By going to the poll and, and, and casting your ballot whenever you do that. But there's no evidence that that's actually the case. I don't know anybody who's voting for the kinds of problems that we're seeing, and yet the government continues to create these exact problems. That seems like a clue, right? I mean, to me, right, if I looked at that and I said, well, gee, every time I vote, things get worse instead of better, that would be a clue. Um, looking at what happened, I mean, you understand what happened in the 2007, 2008, there's a series of lies, just one after the other, after the other, after the other. And at some point, one has to wonder where is all this leading? Um, that's really where I'm going with this. The, the, the disaster of, of the, the housing bubble, the global financial crisis of 2007, eight, nine, right? Um, was of course rubber stamped by the SEC. Not only was, as, as one writer calls it, the Swindlers Encouragement Commission, right? Um, it's not enough that the banks actually sold a bunch of BS kind of loans and package them and write, if you understand what happened in the, the 2008 debacle, um, that banks were allowed to make loans to people who had no chance of paying them back and then securitize those loans and sell them as bonds into bond markets all over the place and pension funds and all the rest. And that all these people got swindled. All of that was encouraged. All of that was rubber stamped by a government agency. The people who are right, ostensibly right, for those naive enough to still believe it, are looking out for you right? And so another lie, right? And then on and on the leaving of right, the ideas, Bernanke said, right, we're not going to have an economy on Monday if we don't print $800 billion and give it free to the people who created this mess, complete with, you know, $100 million golden parachutes for, you know, CEOs of Bank of America and things like this, like that all of that went on and on. And nobody was brought to justice. Nobody ever really paid the consequences of that. That's a theme. That's a theme in our leadership. That's a theme in our institutions right now, that that's happening over and over and over again. And it's true. There's not much you or I can do as private citizens. There's really not much you or I can do. But I'm, I'm bringing it up because you have to understand the rest of the world is not fooled by what is going on in the United States. Lots of voters are fooled. Lots of people watching the mainstream news, apparently. I can't imagine who that would be at this stage. But lots of people are still fooled into thinking, no, no, we're the good guys, right? We're doing the right thing. Um, if everybody would just get on board and obey, right, then we wouldn't have these problems. Um, and yet the rest of the world is not fooled by what has taken place in, in our institutions in the last 20 plus years. And it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous to keep ignoring the fact that Fast forward to 2020, right? What really happened with the lab in Wuhan? So-called viral infection. What really was it? Well, we don't know, but there's a lot of evidence to suggest that it absolutely was not what you were told. Um, a lot of people injured by vaccines, so-called, right? Which of course are not vaccines, they're gene therapy. Um, so another lie, right? And the fact that all of that is still censored and you're not allowed to talk about it, if you bring it up, you're going to get shut out of the, 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 the ecosystem of social media uh, channels and, and applications because you're not allowed to bring these things up. Well, why aren't you allowed to bring them up? Why aren't you allowed to ask these questions openly and have an open discussion about them? Because, right, the, the answer, of course, is that now you're threatening the stability of, of the government and national security and all the rest. I mean, that is pure totalitarian stuff. And so another lie, 
right? And now, obviously the big thing in 22 was, okay, well, somebody blew up a pipeline that was essentially the, the lifeblood of European prosperity. Who did it? Hmm, I wonder. Can't be the US because the White House said it wasn't. So another lie, right? And so how much longer is that kind of deception going to be allowed to go on? I don't know. But I do know that when, especially people in North America collectively bang their head very hard on reality and realize that you're not living in a world that you thought you were living in, it's gonna be simultaneously a very unpleasant moment and experience for a ton of people, but it's also gonna be a very dangerous moment because obviously there's gonna be a lot of unhappiness. And the real wild card here, the real question is what is the state what is the government actually going to do in response? Well, that's a real question. And my suggestion to you is that there are probably some places that you don't want to be, and there are probably some things that you do not want to experience, right? When, when all of this sort of comes out in the wash, as it were. And so I created Expat Files as a way to try to help people who can see what's coming. And seeing what's coming doesn't mean that like, for example, I actually know what's coming. I don't know what's coming. I certainly hope it's not as bad as my, my dark imagination is telling me. But I also think it's very, very, it's very stupid to put your head in the sand and try to pretend like these things are not happening. Um, fiscal year 2022. Uh, fiscal year 2022, $4.9 trillion in tax revenue the mandatory spending and interest on the existing debt, uh, $4.6 trillion. That means without paying a single other cent, right, to the military, to social security, or, or excuse me, to, to, you know, Department of Transportation, Energy, all of the various, right, spook op operations that we pay, or having people run around and cause trouble overseas, um, right, all of the other spending, is not included in that 4.6 trillion, right? So you're talking several trillion dollars in excess of tax receipts. That is now becoming the norm. How much longer can that go on? Obviously it can't, that's a completely unsustainable situation. I will say that um, according to one writer, uh, my friend Dan, who watches this, anytime a country has exceeded 130% debt to GDP, you see that as a, as a point of no return. The jet debt to GDP right now is essentially, right, I, I, the last that I looked and the last calculation that I was able to, to see is 129%. So what does that mean? It means actually our ability to continue to print money and have people sort of subsidize, right, the stupidity um, of our institutional leadership, and I use that term very, very generously, is right up against the point of no return. And I would argue that's not a moment too soon. Now, of course, the debt ceiling will be raised once again, which is nothing more than a transfer from hardworking middle-class people who can be squeezed because they have enough assets that they can actually be have their blood sucked one more time and who have no real political recourse because who cares what the middle class says and thinks anyway. And how is this situation to be remedied? 
I would suggest to you that the likelihood is that more money printing is coming. That means more inflation. I would suggest to you also that it is overwhelmingly likely that you're going to see some very, very creative ways to tax and essentially confiscate, but legally confiscate, right? They can just change laws and do it legally. Um, greater and greater percentage of the wealth of the working class, middle class, right? People with enough assets to actually rob, but not with enough assets that they have political clout. Um, and then all of that is absolutely guaranteed. I mean, I guess there's a scenario where it wouldn't happen, but probabilistically thinking in terms of the likely bets, right? Making a bet on the likelihood of what's coming next, that is overwhelmingly what's coming. And so my suggestion to you, unless you want to subsidize and pay for all of the, the foolishness that's been going on, is to put yourself in a position where your assets are very, very hard for the government to reach. That's what we do here at Expat Files. That's my whole mission for you, is to help you put distance between yourself and essentially the biggest risk that you have right now, which is your home government. They are coming for you. They're not hiring 87,000 extra IRS agents and arming them. Why are they arming IRS agents? Why is that, right? Is it just me or does that seem kind of sinister, okay? This is real, this is coming, it's not a prediction, it's happening now. And it's very, very important while there's still time that you put yourself in a position to, to survive, but also to thrive at the end of the chaos or even during the chaos that we're about to see. Now, nobody has a crystal ball, I certainly do not. Um, but thinking probabilistically, there are ways still for you to put distance between yourself and your home government. There are ways to put your assets out of harm's way. There's ways to get you and your family out of harm's way before it's no longer permitted, right? At some point, capital controls seem to me like they are obviously coming. At some point, people controls may be coming, right? I mean, if there's an all-out war, it's going to be very hard to move, right? They're going to lock down everything and make you stay in place and make you keep working and feed the war machine right? Because that's what happens during a great big war. And we are probably closer to that at, than at any other time in, 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 in recent history, right? Really, since what? Since 1962, maybe, oh. or at least the 80s, right? Um, and so the weaponization of the U.S. financial system against our enemies is simultaneously, I think, the biggest, the biggest geopolitical blunder um, of our time, the pushing of Russia closer to China and the demonizing of Russia, I guess the plan is to break up Russia and try to get cheap resources. I mean, I, that's the only thing that makes any possible sense. Um, will they succeed? I don't know, but it's not like Russia is, is not gonna have a say in that. And, and so that's a very, very dangerous situation. Um, you, I think in terms of the most likely, most dangerous things going on and what's most likely to come out of them. and. In thinking that through, I would say the thing in Russia has to come to a head. It's probably going to come to a head sooner rather than later. Um, all of it is very, very dangerous. I'm not in favor of any of this taking place. So please don't think I'm cheering it on or hoping for bad outcomes. But I think you'd be foolish indeed not to sort of consider a scenario in which things really go off the edge um, and, and get very unpleasant very quickly. Um, obviously, beating up on Afghanistan and places like Iraq and rushing to war with half a million men, the best armed and best outfitted army and the highest technology for killing other people is one thing. But the Russians are not 
that, right? They're not like the, the weakling on the playground. And so um, it's a very, very dangerous game that's being played by policymakers. Um, it's a very, very risky scenario. And how we get out of this, I don't know. But the weaponizing of the financial system against Russia, um, you know, a, a financial system in which, um, and I learned this today, right, in 2014, I think it was, BNP Paribas in France uh, did business with some company in Iran or with Iran, the Iranian government, and that wasn't illegal. There were no sanctions on them. There was nothing that said they couldn't do it, but the people who run the U.S. financial system said, well, we're, we're, we're fining you to the tune of eight or nine billion dollars because we don't want you to do that, period. If you don't pay us that eight, nine billion dollar indemnity, right? We're doing nothing illegal, right? Well, then we're going to cut you off from U.S. dollars and that will be the end of your business. And obviously people are fed up with that kind of treatment as they should be. And so that's what's happening and that's what you're not allowed to discuss. And that's the dangers that I see going on. There's a danger of actual physical conflict. We could change everything in a heartbeat. There's a danger of just the level of the rest of the world and the rest of the world's people quite justifiably being very sick and tired of the kind of, hey, we'll throw our weight around and we're better than you. What, what makes the US better than everybody else? Why? If that was true at one time, it was based on actual principles and ideals that we strove to live up to. I don't see any of those ideals at play today. So what exactly makes us better than everybody else that we're allowed to treat anybody else the way we want? It's a good question to ask, really. Why are we allowed to get away with that stuff? If we blow up Nord Stream, and it looks like we did, right? And I say we, I don't mean you and me. I mean, if the US government was behind that, do you really think there's gonna be no consequences to that kind of, of act? That's a pure act of war. So at some point, you should be asking yourself questions about how you and your family are going to thrive or at least survive with your wealth and your person intact. And who knows, maybe even in a position to take, uh, take advantage of some of the really great opportunities that are definitely apparent in places like Panama and some of the other parts of the world where I try to bring you sort of the best of what's happening in uh, what I call the expat files. P-H-Y-L-E-S, a file is a group of people living together voluntarily based on shared values. That's kind of a good basis, right? For people cooperating and being very productive together. And that's my hope for all of you. If you're seeing this for the first time, that's really what I'm trying to do. I would love to be able to help anybody and everybody that I could reach. So if you have even a middling net worth and you want to protect it in the years ahead, there are steps that you can still take. Get in touch with me. Uh, on my team. Uh, we'll get on it. Usually I get back to people within one business day and I'm happy to help you through the process that I and my friends and my colleagues here in Panama have all done to remove ourselves from the worst likely consequences. Obviously there's no way to reduce, there's no way to live risk-free, right? We are constantly managing risk because we are mortal and we are alive in time and space. And that's a very, very difficult thing to, to, to manage, obviously. But the obvious risks of what's coming from both money printing and, again, if the U.S. can't continue to print money and spend more money than we actually have, well, then the U.S. is going to have to live within its means. And how's that going to work exactly? Nobody has, nobody has lived within their means for decades in the United States. 
And the ability to just print money and sort of offshore all the inflation to other countries who send us real things in exchange for fake paper um, is very likely coming to an end. And that's going to be a real change for all of us. And so the question is, how big of a change is it going to be for you? And could it even possibly be a change for the better? If you could position yourself a certain way, you could absolutely benefit from what is, I think, not just inevitable, but is now imminent. So if you want my help, please contact me. There's a contact uh, below this or on the website, obviously. I put a special report together called the uh, Bulletproof Plan B. That kind of walks you through my basic strategy. I'm happy to share that with you for free. But if you want my help, um, I can make this happen for you very, very quickly. We'll design a very customized Plan B based on your needs. And you'll have the benefit of my you know, quarter century of experience as an expat um, so that you can set yourself up and really ride out any kind of tough times that may be coming to, to your own country and to your own neighborhood, quite possibly. So let me know what I can do for you. Okay, that's enough out of me. Thanks very much. I'll be back with more in another video. Um, just a lot going on here at the conference. So I'm trying to make sense of my notes as quickly as I can so I can share them with you. Uh, so uh, more to come. Thanks very much.